magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I am Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and inner child healing teacher. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Ooh, hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Well, excuse me. This is, I don't know, it feels a little funny. I just feel like there's a lot going on. Yeah. So much for me going on. Yeah. Do you want to talk about any of it? No. No. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I (laughs) I just will say, like, there, there's someone I love having a health situation. There's mm-hmm. a, um, I have a book coming out next month, which is always an extra little bit of stress for me. There's a thing happening with my residential situation, oh. like very core yes. kind of yes. career, yes. like family, yes. <laughs> where yes. you live, like that kind of stuff, yeah. which, and none of it, it, it's not like the traditional kind of stress where it's like, oh, I'm worried. I'm not mm. worried. I feel pretty good about, you know, like all what's the outcomes. going on. It's just, what's that? About all the outcomes. Like, Yeah, I'm not worried about the outcomes. Exactly. Yes. I feel pretty confident about them even if I don't necessarily know what all of them are going to be. Yeah. Um, but I just, it just feels like a lot is happening. It's basically. a lot of, it's bringing up a lot of internal stuff, core stuff, core pictures, core beliefs. Well, yeah, and just, I think, I think sometimes, like I was telling dad yesterday, like, I feel like there, I have a lot of stress. And he was like, well, you shouldn't be stressed. And I was like, well, I'm not choosing to be stressed. Oh, <laughs> like, it's not. Said that. Well, I think it's because there is that class, like, like we have started to use the word stress to mean like, I am just really overly worrying about things, which I is see. like, no, it's not that I'm overly worrying. It's that like psychologically, when there is a lot going on in our lives, yeah, we have a thing called stress, which is like our bodies and our minds, like yeah, just dealing with these different things that are coming up. Yes. So it's a, it's more of that kind of like, yes. That that actual definition of stress, not like the way we use it as like an emotion. Oh, as much, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, do you not want to talk about the book at all and those oh. feelings? I feel like it could yeah. be helpful if you wanted to. Oh yeah, I could talk about that. I'm yeah. Sure. Well, remember last week you told me to do parts work on it. Yes. And I did. Okay. I, I think I didn't do it that day. I did it the next morning. Okay. And. I should look at my because I have like a I do the journaling on my computer. I have like special sheets for oh, it. And I wait, file tell them. me about that immediately. It, well, <laughs> it's like it's like the journal prompts for okay. when you tap in. So it's like I'll do a meditation, but I'll do it in front of my computer, and then okay. I have the journal prompts on a sheet on a Word document. Oh. So then I like what's the name of the first part that shows up, and what does that part want, and what is it saying, and how does it make you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? And oh. then ask that part to step aside and now who's there what other part yeah Yeah. so you just keep doing that until there's no more parts and then I do a journaling part where they all have a conversation okay, <laughs> see if they can yeah. work it all out as I like connect with my um inner parent or yes. you know they, the self yeah so do you so you type all that out uh-huh oh interesting yeah I started doing that because I have a hard time saving journals or finding where I write things, Me too. and it's faster to yeah. type than to write. Oh, I do it 
in my I visualize it all. So I don't Yeah, type. I visualize but then I also type so that yeah. I can kinda like have a chronicle of it, like see uh, it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I can send you the word doc if you want. Yeah, that would be good. I, I the thing is it takes me out of it when I'm typing, I think. Mm. But I do like to record it after. And then you're right. It just gets lost. And yeah. for me, it does. Yeah. Yeah, because I just have so many notebooks and ideas. And then yeah. they just. <laughs> exactly. And then I don't like to keep them around. So then I recycle them. Yeah. But anyway, so um, with that extra stress, that extra added, I mean, I think I'll still have the vulnerability part where it's like, oh, people are going to be seeing something that I really care about that I wrote all my thoughts and ideas in wait wait but, hold on did the what happened did the parts work help yeah okay so it was like because what we were talking about last week was how I feel this like added like I wake up in the morning and feel like my stomach feels butterflies in it and like right. okay I've got to do all these right. things like it's just that was kind of the way I responded to the vulnerability yeah and I that has shifted since I did the parts work and it was in inner critic that showed up like first it was like a like a busy body uh version of me that was like these are all the things you need to do like it was like that kind of part of me but it wasn't really me it was like a just an incarnation of me and then underneath that was an inner critic that looked and talked like my mom Mm -hmm. but was really an, a little girl that was pretending to be my mom that was kind of like yes you can be worthy of admiration and love and support but only if you fulfill certain things yeah in there and it's kind of like confusing for you to know what those things are like because that was yes. kind of like my relationship with my mom was like she could be so loving and so, like seemingly so loving and so accepting and so fun. Yeah. And then other times it was like, yeah, like you don't know what you're to. just just this feeling of that I wasn't enough in some way or. But that and it would bring up this feeling in me like weird. I don't even know what that is, but she can see it, whatever yes. it is that isn't enough. Yes. So it must be some like fundamental thing that's yes. missing from me that I just don't get, you know. Yes. And so it was like that was yes. well, in play. It was like, um, like she's unhappy, and it has so it has to be your fault, right? And so and, if you can like yeah. do enough things correctly, yes. and impressively, yes, then maybe you will be worthy of love and acceptance and approval, <laughs> and that yeah. like showed up. In response to like being seen and known from my book. So that part of me. And then there was another part underneath that that was like a 16 year old self Mm. that was like had all these other feelings and thoughts. Anyway, we don't have to go into all the details of it, but it did really help. Oh, good. Yeah. I just want to say it's like this thing of just when you were talking, remind me of with my mom, like you have to, you know, you have to blame yourself as a kid. Because yeah. otherwise you'll know that you're unsafe with this person who's leading the show and that's too yeah. much to bear. So if you can take the blame, if you can just figure out what it is that you're doing wrong. Yeah. So that she can be, so that she can love you again. Right. That's what I have too. Yeah. 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 And then that does go out into the world too. Like if you're putting something out in the world, it's like, 
oh, if I just, I just got to get it, quote unquote, right. Because if I get it right, then I'm going to be, then I'll get the love. Then, then it can be calm. I can be calm. And if I'm right, like that's the feeling. It's not necessarily like the book, but me personally. Uh (laughs) Like if I'm okay. And it was like, it was interesting to tap into because I did just remember how it was, it was like a big sister with my mom, too, kind mm. of. Like, she was just so beautiful and mm. fun and funny and smart. And, you know, that that narcissist thing of, like, oh, my gosh, you're the best. You're just mm. the best. So if you don't – if there's a day that I'm, like, making you cry, which there often was days I would make her cry mm. – then, I mean, that was, I didn't, wasn't really making her cry, but that's what I thought was happening. And that's what she said was happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it would come out of the blue. Right. It would be of like course. one day I was the best and so fun and we were best friends. And Ugh. then the next day I was breaking her heart because I wasn't cleaning my dishes as soon as I finished Ugh. with one of them or something. So she would do like a sad thing with you. Oh, yes. Uh, and so then I would just be like, oh, I've hurt her feelings and she's just so sensitive uh, and I should be better. Like I should not be hurting uh, her feelings. And what did I – and it was like it would just be a random thing all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. That was I fine have, yesterday and right. then today it's not okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same with me, only my mom would not do that sad thing. She would do like a rejecting cold what's wrong with you, like angry, like all of a sudden I was out of good graces with her, but it was like angry. It was not the sad. The only time she was sad was this one period where there was a family issue where I was her therapist for like six months. And I actually preferred her sadness. Yeah, I was like, oh, sad I can fix. Sad I can fix because she has a problem that I can fix. But the anger, it would like turn, she would turn off and it would really make me feel like I was deformed. Like there was something wrong about me that was making her reject me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my moms would turn to anger. Like if I would sometimes, like sometimes I would be like, wait a minute. No, that like I would try at some points. I'd be like, this, yeah. wait, this yeah. time, this is weird. Like, why are you suddenly <laughs> crying? But yeah. that would never fly. And then that Oof. would like, that would sometimes Turn go into anger. like anger and um, like insults. Uh-huh. And, and just keep at it until Oof. I would break down and be like, I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm a terrible person. Oh, gosh. This is so familiar to me. Yeah. I mean, by the way, I'm not actually saying I could fix the anger, but it just no. Yeah, but- yeah. It just felt like I can work with this, which, by the way, neither of us should have been working with any of that. No, we should just know where. Yeah, that that's interesting because I can feel that in my. Actually, I'm going to talk about that in the energy report, so I'll wait to talk about that. But that's not fun. No, but it was empowering to be like, oh, here's some ways I'm kind of still doing that to myself. Like, yes. I don't need to do that. And so then I had to talk with my inner adolescent and her child and was like, hey, you know what? You're worthy of love. You don't have to do anything at all in order to be worthy of love or to not do anything. Like, you know, yeah. so that was really helpful. And I have been feeling a lot better oh, since I did good, that. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So, but what about you? We've been talking all well, about me. Oh, well, um... You know, what I want to say is more than the cards, um, I would say that 
because I don't remember the cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. We didn't even say what they are. Do you want me to say what they well, are? Well, sure. If you remember okay. them. Last week, we drew. I drew Improvise, which was oh, what okay. it sounds like. Like, yeah. go with what's happening and make choices in the moment. Yeah. And then you drew Fork in the Road Reversed. Oh. Which was about making choices. Oh, my God. That was very accurate this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah both of it. Well, we were going away this week we went away for a couple of days and there was just a lot of like nope this isn't gonna work so we have to do this um friend to the show may know my beloved cat greg um he turned 16 we had a party for him in may and then he decided to move to the kitchen he used to live in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) so that was like a big change but then right before we left I noticed essentially we had to take him to the vet he has feline bell's palsy which is not life-threatening but it's just like disturbing (laughs) to look at and I feel so sad he meows all the time and when he meows half his mouth now doesn't move because it's like half his paralyzed so sad but he's he's okay there was just kind of a lot of that stuff happening um like where it was just what I said on the energy report about like this feeling of like, okay, we're going forward. No, not quite. Uh, no, it's a step back. No, uh, there was a lot of that. Still kind of feels like that too. And like I woke up, I have a weird blood thing in my eye, which is weird. And I feel like it could have, maybe that is stress, even though I feel like I'm yeah. handling things as well as I can. It, it does feel like, and I'll talk about this in the energy report too, but like there's, I'm going through so many changes, like kind of what you're talking, there's just like a lot happening, but like energetically, psychologically, like I'm having a lot of great realizations and shedding stuff, but it is a lot. A lot still. So much. But I mean, of course, after this, after all of the changes that we all went through that are shocking. During the pandemic. I mean, just like overwhelming to think of inner and outer changes that happen to all of us. Like, I guess it shouldn't be surprising that it's like, of course, the energy doesn't just... It doesn't just go back to normal after a big shift like that. Like there's just still yeah. things happening. But know? I also feel like it's really good. Like um, I'm still doing that thing with our friend Melissa where we're like having this alchemical container <laughs> to put things into awesome. to clear stuff out. And it is working. Like it's insane. Um, I, I mean, oh, shoot, I'm trying not to use that word anymore. It's wild. Um, but, um, (laughs) the, um, but like I've cleared out, like, um, I've talked about it before, how I've attached worth sometimes to just like, you know, like how am I performing on like Instagram or something, you know, Mm -hmm. that has cleared out for, and it took a while because it, again, going back to our mothers, it's like so much of it with my mom was like, well, how are you performing? Like if you're mm-hmm. not, you know, and that could look like anything, well, you know, washing the dishes, just let me do it. Like, just like, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, I, so many times don't even just stop it. Like, mm-hmm. um, so of course, like we have this fucking social media where you have actual numbers supposedly right. telling you how you're performing. <laughs> this is how much people liked this. Yeah. Like and and so, how you're performing. Like, okay, yeah. this is like your work. So it's like so for people with 
I don't know if you have this. We've actually, I don't know if you, you don't seem like you do as much. But um, what? like what the- attach the worth to numbers, like in some way, like whatever uh, those numbers. I mean, for me, it's kind of, I think more like as an author, I know it's good to have followers because that's right. how you promote your work. But I don't know if I do feel as much like this is about my personal worth. Yeah. Maybe I don't because yeah. I don't really stress out about it very much. Oh, yeah. So I don't think you do. Yeah. Um, And it's the same thing for me. It's like, okay, you know, it's definitely a business thing, but it's still like, well, I guess I'm failing. You know, that's oh. how I was feeling. But I feel like I've cleared that out now. It's like now just like, oh, Yay. this is an interesting statistic to see if, you know, things are if what how people are, how it's landing with people. But then it also cleared the way for me to know like, Actually, you can't tell that from Instagram at all because that fucking algorithm changes all the oh, time. Oh, right. So yeah, yeah. It's totally. not even a good way to know. Like, it's just yeah. like. Um, so anyway, and again, I'll talk about on the energy report more about it's just been really great to just it's growing my heart chakra so much to just like now it's like, oh, I just want to share. I want to. And I always felt this, too, like that I want to help people feel better and like love people and support. And like, of course that's always been the motivation, but then there's the worth stuff. Well, you're not doing a good enough job at being a good person at helping, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so that feels really good that that part went away. I also just want to say, um, Real quick, the other big thing (laughs) that happened this week that I've been kind of obsessed with, which I, it's funny, and I don't know how much crossover there is here, but I've been watching The Bachelorette, and this week, there was a pretty, viewers of The Bachelorette, no, (laughs) don't worry, it's gonna, it's gonna. Makes sense. Um, there was like a pretty big episode where this guy who was supposedly the front runner came on and pretty much, in my opinion, meant was abusive emotionally to this to the bachelorette and gaslit her. And like it was very intense. Um, he just like was he it was it was very intense maybe we'll put a trigger i'm just gonna say now trigger warning if you don't want to hear about being gaslit then don't listen to this part or Uh, watch the bachelorette apparently there should have been a trigger warning with that Um, but the thing is that um he basically just came on and and he was like i love you and she part of the fucking show is that she's not going to say it until the end of the show. Like she's going to oh. ruin the show if she says this back. So she just kind of said something a little silly and he fucking turned off. Like you see his face. He went cold. Just like I was talking about with my mom. Like it was like he was there and then he didn't hear what he wanted to hear. So he turned off and it was like, whoa. And then he just started to go in and in and in on her. And she was confused and she didn't know what was happening. It was intense. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because I became then obsessed. Obsessed may be a strong word, but like very motivated to listen to what other people who comment on this show were saying. Mm-hmm. And there is one person who I really love. Her name is Becca Martinez. Um, she's 
B-E-K-A-H on Instagram. I love her. She's like, she's 25, but she seems, she's wise beyond her years. She was homeschooled for a long time, which I feel like in a good way, like really helped her know her own opinions. Like she, it was anyway, but she was like totally like saying like, this was gaslighting. This was, you know, like, I can't believe this is emotionally abusive. This isn't like, he's not an abuser, but those moments were, you know, and it was soothing to my soul (laughs) to Mm. listen to her validate that yeah you know because also then there was a whole other contingent of people and that's part of why she was doing this who were like he was just emotionally available and she didn't react in a good Uh. way there's a lot of people who are saying that like I don't know she seemed really superficial and she wasn't reacting well so like excusing the behavior Mm -hmm. and so it just really made me realize like even as much work as I've done and how like very healed I am with guests, like I would never allow that in my life. Like to see someone, it's still very soothing to my inner child to have someone be like, yeah, that happened, that happened, that happened, you know, because when you're gaslit growing up, your experience is invalidated. That's what it Mm -hmm. is. That's what Mm -hmm. gaslighting is. And so to view that, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening when I was watching it. And then so I immediately after the show's over, listened to this one podcast and the guy, it was a guy, this guy, Nick Vile. And he was he was not he was saying, like, I don't know. She was being this and she was being that. And I was like, oh, no. So then it was like a real salve to hear Becca be like and then to hear Becca validate it. And then she had her fiance on two days later and I listened to another 50 minutes of him also validating it and I was like and poor Brett he said he liked it so we like Becca (laughs) he listened to it with you yeah because we were in the car on the way so on the way there he listened to it and on the way back but he likes them (laughs) he likes Becca and her boyfriend Um, so she's a podcaster she's a podcaster too yeah she has this podcast called chatty broads that I love Oh, okay. And she talks about all number of things, including The Bachelorette. That's right. I mean, when there is a season, it's pretty heavily The Bachelorette. But actually, (laughs) she has two shows a week, and the second one is not usually about that. And then there is a third one with her fiance and the other lady's boyfriend that I love. They don't really talk. They're really, really funny. Anyway, that's another tangent. But it was just that took up a lot of my week was just like feeling validated that people could see it like because yeah. a lot of people can't see it like they just don't know what gaslighting is and they think and they're blaming the woman a lot of times yeah. like well she didn't respond well to his vulnerability like he was being and vulnerable. then it's like that that's such a boundary issue just right there it's like oh she owed him some type yes. of response yes even if like about her feelings yes. even if she didn't feel them yes. yeah thank you Tess this is exactly what I needed to hear this is what, <laughs> that's the you thing. want me just to keep talking about this topic I mean I would be I would be so happy to only talk about this but that's exactly also to hear her like a man obviously Brett agrees with me but like to hear her fiance saying that too like exactly what you just said and also she he was like he said uh, the the contestant this guy Greg was saying like he's never been so vulnerable and he's like and Becca's boyfriend Grayston was like 
he needs therapy if that he so he was sad <laughs> like that's not that's just, that's not just that's the most vulnerable he's ever been that he was right. sad and it like no that's not being vulnerable i mean yeah. it is but it's not like you don't get an award like she doesn't yeah. get to like treat you some way so i do feel like this is related to our show <laughs> <laughs> in that it just was very valid like even after all this time like I really do and I feel fine about that like it feels like a real self to just hear people being like yes that was gaslighting yes that was yeah <laughs> yes we well, see I mean, it we that's... see it we see it too we know what's happening I, f- I feel like that's a way that females are often have been gaslit like that reminds me of this guy it was horrible mm. when I lived in Venice there was this guy it was ridiculous it seemed like a Seinfeld episode every time it happened but it happened like three times and he forgot who I was he was like this guy who was a waiter and oh you would God. see him around Venice Beach yeah. like when I lived there yeah and like he the first time he tried jogging I was jogging and he tried jogging next to me and I was like I don't really feel like jogging with anyone right now. Like, first, he just tried to start a conversation. I was, like, trying to be polite. And then I was like, I'm sorry. I don't feel like jogging with anyone. And he was like, then fuck you. And, like, he did this to me three times where he tried to flirt with me. And then when I was like, no, I don't want you to flirt with me, he said, fuck you. He yelled it at me. It was just like, I don't owe you a response. No. That's truly psychopathic, though. I mean, a stranger. But yes, that's and that an every time, but I was clearly just a faceless woman to him because he didn't realize, like, oh, I've already tried this with this girl. <laughs> yeah, no, Ugh. no, no, that is so gross. really. Uh, well, I'm but glad that's you the understand. Kind of shit. I mean, yes. that's like an extreme version of yes. like how a lot of times it's like, oh, I guess, like, like I, I mean, a million times, like somebody trying to have some com- kind of conversation, and then when I'm like setting a boundary. Oh, yeah. Suddenly, I'm the worst possible person. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was my early 20s with all men. Like, if you didn't return it, then then you were a target. Bat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then that's just there. Like, oh, so then you get to come into my space. Oh, yeah. And then if I don't, if I'm not responsive, then now suddenly it's this really uncomfortable thing where I'm a bad person. Oh, my God. I mean, yes. I just have to now share this other. When I was 21, I had this boyfriend. And the first night I met him. Or yeah, the first night I met him, it was he was in a band. He lived in a house, and it was him and his this bass player was one of the people. And they both tried to come on to me at the same time, and I was like, "This is weird. I don't want to do this." I didn't say those words, but I was like, "I'm gonna go by because it was like they were trying to do like a threesome situation." Yeah, yeah, it was gross. So I was like, "No, I should have." Of course, this ended up being a very not good relationship with one of them. But anyway, I went outside with the bass player guy and I rejected him because I liked the other guy and I ended up getting together with the other guy and being in a relationship with him for three too many years um (laughs) but from then on that bass player hated me Mm -hmm. was like you know was so awful to me talked shit about me I mean hated to it resented me and I fucking took it on like oh there's something wrong with me I'm Uh, bad oh what did I do I didn't even put it together 
you know, because yeah. I was 21. I, I am just so glad that this kind of thing now is not like the norm as much. Like yeah. now it's visible. We are talking about, but it's like for decades, we just endured it. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I guess that oh. I have to deal with this now that you're going to just treat me this way. And like, it's my fault. It's yeah. definitely my fault. Of course. <laughs> and then he would, when he would get drunk and he would be like extra nasty to me. Like so me and I remember one person saying to me, It's cause he liked you and you rejected. I was like, I don't think so. But then he actually admitted it to someone. I was like, What? Like I was just so like, No, of course, this has to be my fault. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, I, there, am I mean it's all these different circumstances are popping into my mind now. Like this yeah. I one time I had to quit a job because <gasps> there was this like uh, it was teaching gymnastics and there was this guy who was training me who was like so into me but like he didn't like do anything or say anything it was just so obvious yes so I couldn't be like oh I'm uncomfortable because this guy who's training me is clearly so into me because they would have been like well what'd he say well nothing it's just a vibe I get right Right. well (laughs) but it was so obvious and then it was like I just can't go back I have to uh, I can't do this if it was so obvious I bet he was doing something don't you think like you just maybe didn't want to like you felt uncomfortable because he was making it you was like subtle enough that I well yeah I mean now maybe yeah in today's climate I might have been like this is inappropriate but yeah yeah <laughs> in that climate it was what like 2004 or something oh, it was God. like uh I just do you know like oh it's so awful uh there's just so many things now that would not happen yeah that would definitely not happen and it's yeah it's just it does feel really good I guess it's all of those things of being a woman. I mean, I remember being on the set of Twin Peaks and having a bunch of those guys be like, would you have sex with her? Like talking about me. I was like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. Well, hmm, let me think. Like they were doing it in front of me. Like they thought it was flirting, though. Like, hmm. Well, like, yeah. As, it used to be that used to be how it was. Yeah, like that we could just, they could just do that shit. And that was and like, like it, oh, we have to be cool about it. Yes, you have to be cool about it. Yeah. And it was supposedly when I'm thinking about it now, it was like kind of flirting, but it was also rejecting. Like, because if they were going to say no, but then also, why do I fucking care about these gross people who are trying? Yeah. Now, in retrospect, we see yes. how they're, that, that yes. was, like, so disempowering to you to do that. Yes. Huh. Uh, well. Objectifying. Yes. So, I mean, like, that's what your worth is. So, if they come up with a no, you're yeah. going to be, like, really embarrassed. And... I know. I think it's really good for us to acknowledge this stuff. Yeah. Because now that is so clear and so many people are seeing this kind of stuff and saying that's not okay. Yeah. Like, I think it's good for us to be like, whoa, that really sucked yeah yes (laughs) you know just like feel that and how that affected us yes and I and of course it all goes down to aging too because that's what we were worth and now it's like as a woman I feel like this is all related like then as women age they've expired their Mm -hmm. object you know being object they first it's like this thing where you're objectified well you it's terrible and that shouldn't have been happening but it's how you're worthy so then sometimes you have to buy into it and then it's like oh expiration date you know yeah (sighs) totally yeah I do think it is very healthy and good that we're talking about this because it does really help like this doesn't feel depressing to me to talk about this it feels good yeah, like, to be like hey that we just thought that was normal we thought we deserved that yeah yeah totally yeah 
Okay, great. Yay. I'm really Yay, happy that I talked. I didn't, I'm not going to name him, but I'm happy I talked about that bass player because I can't tell you how long I felt bad about myself. Yeah. Because he made it seem like I was this awful person. Mm. And he, of course, he didn't tell people it's because I rejected him. Right. Probably didn't tell himself either. Well, he did finally admit it to his cousin who was also oh. terrible. <laughs> Who also <laughs> was awful to me for the same reason, because he liked mm. me too. All right. Well, um, <laughs> we did that. <laughs> okay. Now, so, should, yeah. now, now we can. You want to mention? Yeah. I was going to say from there to an inner child healing class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to say that my class opens up for early registration um, Sunday. So if you're on the wait list, then you can get, there's going to be a, a, disc, a little discount and you'll be the first to know. So um, the class is just really helps to, I mean, people have said it helps them to feel more joyful, feel, be able to talk to the part that, um, you know, essentially, I'll just try to say this quickly. It's hard to do this as an ad. But basically, you know, our inner child is a part of us at many different ages that's stuck in the past that is still dealing with whatever pain. It can be trauma. It can just be little pains. And this class helps you to integrate that part, love that part, and develop your strong inner parent so that you can feel that mostly as you walk through life. So you can go to highestlighthealing.com to get on the wait list. Um, or, oh, also I should say, if you just are on my mailing list, I released again my free boundaries class. It's a master class on boundaries. And I also talk a little bit about the class in there too, but the inner child class. Nice. So either one, mailing list or inner child wait list and go to highest light healing. Yeah, and people love this inner child healing class. Like, I have heard so many amazing things about it and amazing realizations that people have had during it. That's nice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it is fun, too. We get together every week, and I love that part. Okay. So I would like to mention that I have a new book coming out, and I also am doing a free book launch Mm. event. So this is going to be a talk, a workshop online. Um, it, I'm doing that with East West Books in Seattle, but you can do it from anywhere because it's online. You just have to sign up, but it's free. So sign it's on when August it? 26th. Oh, okay. In the evening sometime. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly when, but <laughs> you can learn about it at TessWhitehurst.com and then go to About and Appearances, and then there's a link there for where you can sign up. And the new book is called The Self-Love Superpower, The Magical Art of Approving of Yourself No Matter What. There's actually a chapter about what we were just talking about, like learning about how that shaped me sort of being a like a 20-something during that era. Yeah. And like how you can look at stuff like that and be like, oh, yeah, that happened. And how can I kind of integrate that and realize that, have compassion for myself through that? Yeah. It's There's so powerful of, to love yourself at all the ages in the past. Yeah, and all, and then in the present, like anything that comes up, like when you're not, yeah, you know, perfect according to any sort of standard. When mm-hmm. you get angry or you lose your temper or you forget something, you know, it's like we're all just human. So learning to love ourselves through all of it is a really healing practice. Yes. 
So also, um, we would really appreciate it if you would write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us so much. And also, we love reading the reviews when they're good reviews. Yeah, we do (laughs) like that. We don't like it when they're not good reviews. It's not as great of an experience to read them when they're not good reviews. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't like it, (laughs) just keep it to yourself. If you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, that we would appreciate that too. <laughs> and then <laughs> and we have a newsletter. I send yes. out a newsletter whenever there's a new episode on Mondays. And Natasha also sends out a weekly wrap-up of what we covered on the podcast. And you can see in the newsletter the cards we drew and find links, you know, related to our guest. So you can sign up for that at magicmondaypodcast.com and then click subscribe, or there's also a link in our Instagram. Yes. Speaking of our guest, who do we have on this week? Today, we have Nicholas Pearson. Nicholas Pearson has been immersed in the mineral kingdom for more than 20 years. He began teaching crystal workshops in high school, later studying mineral science at Stetson University while pursuing a degree in music. He worked for several years at the Gillespie Museum, home to the largest mineral collection in the southern United States. The author of several books, including Crystals for Karmic Healing, Stones of the Goddess, and Crystal Basics, he lives in Orlando, Florida. Here's that interview with Nicholas. Nicholas, it's so great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be with you both today. Thanks. So um, so I have been reading your excellent book, Stones of the Goddess, which I received when I met you at INATS a couple of years ago. Hmm. And it's so great. You're so smart. Like, I love the way you <laughs> write about the science of crystals. It's like, it's just so deep. And um, I like how, or I'm interested in how you talk about your childhood that you came from a not so religious background so you were encouraged to just kind of find your own way can you share about that a little bit yeah you know i think i think as is the case of of many people brought up very strongly catholic uh it caused my father not to bring me up as anything at all oh yeah um and you know he kind of had that that paradigm for relating to the world, but I wasn't really indoctrinated with a whole lot. So um, real early on in like elementary school, I noticed that other families did this thing called going to church and I really had no idea what it was. Mm. And um, instead, like every couple of weeks, my dad and I would go to the local library and that was like our cathedral of learning. So my dad allowed me to explore just about any topic I wanted within reason. Obviously we had to be able to find in the library. Um, and he'd always help me whittle things down to a very short stack of books. I actually grew up believing the library didn't let you check out more than four books at a time. Uh (laughs) That was my dad's way of like reining it in. Right. So one week it might be science. The next week it might be history or geography or folklore. Oh gosh. I I fell in love with folklore and mythology at a really early age. Mm. And it, it made me it made me hungry for magic. And I don't know if it started with like the fairy tale phenomenon that little kids fall into, or if that followed the mythology. I really don't have a clear timeline on that, but my my thirst for all things mystical and magical started pretty young. And I would say by the time I was uh, entering high school, I kind of stumbled onto witchcraft and Wicca and the whole like metaphysical scene. And it was like this natural extension of my, my love of world religion and mythology and just my my 
um, in our hunger for spirituality. And um, I'm thankful that all the while, because my dad was a man of science, we, we did the science thing. I, I got mm-hmm. to, you know, learn biology and marine science and uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of geology or whatever, whatever we could find for my, my reading level or even maybe a little bit above that. And uh, I found in crystal healing a place where my loves could come together. I could, I could really get into the science of mineralogy and geology, but still appreciate the woo-woo nature of it, have those mystical experiences and sit down. I mean, I, I had no formal ed- education in, in metaphysics at, at that age, but I would you know, rifle through my dad's old music collection. He used to have a, a really stressful job when I was young, real young. Um, and so he had a lot of new age music just, just to unwind and relax. So um, I fell in love with Enya and would, would put on the Celts, uh, her, her, her first album and, and sit down and meditate with my very first crystal ball ever and just allow myself to get lost in that in, inner world. Mm. And it turns out that like, there's a practice called scrying where people do that. And I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I got real lucky and uh, my parents, though maybe reticent about the 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 word witchcraft, were certainly not um, holding me back in any regards. Did you? I'm just yeah. curious. Did your dad, like, when you would check out all those books, did he read them with you or talk to you about them, or was it just like after that it was more of an alone, like just you and the books? Um, a little bit of both. I mean. Uh, I was a very talkative kid. So if I was interested in something, I made sure everyone knew about it. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I'd give them a full report on whatever I was reading. Okay. Uh, But, you know, by the, by the time I really kind of um, dove into the world of witchcraft and paganism and magic, I, I very carefully kind of curated my discussions of it to, to maybe highlight relationships with the world's major religions and to stave off fears. I was very uh, mm. strategic in my conversations. I remember handing him a copy of Silver Ravenwolf's Teen Witch uh, mm-hmm. with a bunch of sections highlighted, not because I thought they were important for me, but because I thought they were good for him to know. Um, and he was totally cool with it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's so, so great. Cute. So I love how you talk about your part of this journey of kind of formulating your worldview was um, seeing the divine as masculine and feminine and also both like you said the divine androgen. What is it the divine? How do you refer to the Um, divine androgyne? Oh, yeah, divine androgyne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I grew up a queer kid without that language. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a product of my generation, uh, just just not seeing a lot of LGBTQ plus representation anywhere in media. And mm-hmm. if I did, it was usually not in the the most flattering of ways. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, to be very transparent, my shamed me. My parents shamed me for my femininity. I got called oh. Nicole a lot in my childhood, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, there's that that internalized misogyny yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Um, right, yeah. And getting to experience a, a not so patriarchal, or at least not so patrifocal um, view of the divine was really empowering for me. And it really allowed me to recognize that it was okay to be femme. It was okay to not fit the mold. And I mean, it's been years and years and years as a, a grown up uh, digging through all of that. And I'm sure I have lots more to go before yeah. I really undo all that kind of internalized and systematized stuff that we yeah. we just don't know we pick up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't meant to be harmful. It wasn't really meant to do anything. My, my, in a weird way, my loved ones had my best interests at heart because mm-hmm. they didn't want the world to be hard on me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think one of the ways that we can um, avoid the hardness of the world is to embrace the softness of the world. And yeah. that's where the divine feminine really came in for me. And um, it, at the end of the day, it, it dawned on me that um, certainly not everybody could be right about religion, about everything. Like there, there are too many um, absolutes that people project. So what if we were all right and we were all wrong at the same time? Like yeah. the, the divine is so big the human brain just can't conceive of it. Our, our yeah. mind that lives in this, you know, very material binary kind of world where we want to put limitations and restrictions on things so we can digest it better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can't, can't wrap it, itself around the true nature of divinity, the, the true absolute that is out there in the cosmos. So we, we have to kind of dumb it down for us. Mm-hmm. And that's why we end up with these personal faces of, mm-hmm. of goddesses and gods and, and mm-hmm. beings in between and above and beyond. And I think that reconciling that over the years has helped me, you know, open up to undoing that, I don't want to say damage, but maybe undoing the programming of that, you know, cis heteropatriarchy that we're all trying to smash yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think you can say damage. It's, it's damaging to be so binary in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's... Um, I, I have had, I feel that way about the divine also. And that reminds me of um, Joseph Campbell's quote, which is, a, I think it's, a, I'm probably paraphrasing, but it's like the divine is a metaphor for that, which transcends all levels of rational thought. Mm. Yeah. So of course, and, and it also makes me think, I, I also use the metaphor of like a prism, that mm-hmm. a prism helps us see the different aspects of light but it's still just one pure light. It's not really red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet, but then we are able to see these different aspects of it through the prism. And so seeing like the masculine aspects and the feminine, the different um, embodiments of the divine is one way for us to connect with all of, with what we can't really connect, but we can't conceive of. We can connect with it, but we can't conceive of it. I love that. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, so I, uh, I want, am I talking too much, Natasha? Did no. you want to say okay. I wanted to read this part of stones of the goddess in the cooling of molten rock. We see the formative principles responsible for the Genesis of crystal lattices, much the same way in which embryonic cells multiply to build new life. The kingdom of stones has long been associated with the great goddess. She rules over the fertile soils composed of minuscule grains of weathered rock, and she has been petitioned in the depths of mysterious caverns whose forms are thought to represent her birth canal and womb. Even today, this motherly connection to rocks persists. Common in the mineral sciences is the term matrix, referring to the host rock in which a mineral forms. This word is Latin for womb, including the parallel relationship between rock and mineral genesis and the gestation of new life. Even the word matter is derived from mater, Latin for mother. All earthly substance is birthed from from spirit by the great mother which is you talking about why this is the stones of the goddess and why crystals and minerals relate to the divine feminine for you, which I think is so fascinating. 
Yeah, I've never heard of it talked about like that. Yeah, it's really Thank great. <laughs> so can you tell us, maybe tell us about uh, how, okay, actually, let's talk about this. You also say in the intro that quartz crystals have been compared to the brain cells of the planet and also the lungs because they breathe in life force, which I think is really a cool way to think of quartz crystals. Yeah. <clears throat> like the way we use them in magic and spirituality. Absolutely. There, there are so many analogies and metaphors and, and symbols that have been applied to quartz in particular. It is uh, among the most abundant of minerals in the earth's surface. Um, and it, it's not always gemmy and transparent and crystalline. And um, while that is what we think of as quartz, I mean, you, you look at massive pieces of granite that have you know, maybe 20, 30% white quartz in them and um, lots of other stones that are made out of predominantly quartz. And this is something that from the most ancient of eras, people, people went out of their way to acquire, to work, to wear, to build with. Um, so there's got to be some sort of magic there, right? And if we look at the, we'll say the, the physics of how and why um, quartz in particular, but crystals at large kind of work with energies that are measurable. Um, it gives us, uh, we'll say, uh, a platform for understanding how they work with the energies that are not measurable, at least not measurable yet. So, um, you know, crystals transmit, they receive, they store, they translate or transduce. Uh, they have this ability to oscillate and harmonize things. And I mean, these are all roles that we see in different ways in our bodies and in the body of the earth. So the way that they can transmit signals reminds me of the way that uh, they work to, uh, like our, our nervous system works to transmit signals through the body. Mm. Um, the way that they store is like we have um, signals stored in the brain. Uh, so there've been a lot of woo-woo kind of metaphors used to kind of explain it that way. Um, and uh, the way that Quartz is so sacred, especially among indigenous people all over the world, um, as, as being this sort of storehouse of wisdom and life force. It's, it's almost as if it is the lungs of the geological part of Mother Earth, the way it mm. transforms, breathes in and breathes out the life force from the heavens into the earth and from the earth back to the heavens. So I think it's a really powerful and visceral way to look at the mineral kingdom, reminding yeah. us that we've got that as above, so below kind of relationship with them. And we <laughs> ourselves have tons of, you know, crystalline components in the body too. So we're, we're more closely related than we think sometimes. Yeah. What are the crystalline forms in our body? Oh, there's teeth? tons of stuff. Well, I yeah, think we about my teeth as being <clears throat> these weird rocks in my mouth. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Hydroxyl <laughs> appetite. Um, we've got in our teeth and in our bones that gives us a structure that's a, um, a calcium based phosphate mineral. Um, mm -hmm. Collagen fibers are, are semi crystalline. We've got hemoglobin, the, the iron based pigment that's attached to our red blood cells so it can carry um, nutrients and, and waste. Actually, it's two different crystal forms depending on whether it's bonded to um, carbon dioxide or um, oxygen. We've got um, all of the, the lipoproteins and cell membranes that are what we consider a semi-crystal. And then we have a, a liquid crystal system. Most of the intracellular fluid and uh, even intercellular fluid is um, supposed to be in a liquid crystal mesophase, a state in between crystallinity and liquidity. It, it's a, a really organized state for being 
not solid. Um, so, I mean, head to toe, we're made out of crystalline stuff. Uh, oh, I love it's, that. Yeah. Does it affect how you work with crystals? Like, it just makes me curious if you approach crystals from that perspective or how you work with them may be different than other people. I think it definitely informs my practice. I, I like to be as as sciencey as possible. I totally own the fact that like crystal healing is still regarded as pseudoscience and I don't have, I don't have verifiable data yet to, yeah. to prove that what I'm doing works in a clinical way. But the anecdotal evidence of oh, uh, millennia tells me that there's gotta be something to it or we wouldn't keep coming back to it. Um, but one of the, the parallels that I keep coming back to is that um, you know, if we have this profound relationship between the state of coherence and health um, so, uh, you know, one of the hallmarks of a healthy human being's electromagnetic field is heart-brain coherence, and that, that state of coherence of being all synced up and perfectly harmonized is a state that we also see exhibited in the mineral kingdom. Mm. So, in a sense, as we approach this state of optimal health and our electromagnetic field has this perfect harmony to it, it's the same kind of electromagnetic field that a, a quartz crystal or a piece of calcite or even some lapis lazuli uh, is going to have. And so um, I kind of use that as my, my model for understanding how and why um, there is an influence over body, mind, and spirit. If we can at least have a, a theoretical pathway that the electromagnetics can work, we can see the relationship between a coherent energy field and our changes in mood and perception, which then changes our electrical and chemical transmitters cascading through the body. And we get to this place where energy transcends pathology and mm -hmm. we, we become more crystalline inside and out. Uh, I think our bodies are perfect just the way they are. Um, maybe there's room for improvement. Maybe there are things we want to adjust, but you know, we are in these systems that are living, breathing, crystalline antennas. And if we learn to harness that, then we can make really powerful change happen. And I think that's part of the reason that magic is so effective because we are the perfect vessel for this, this alchemy to take place. Yeah. So that is making me think of how I was interested when I read your bio to see that you also studied music because to me, mm -hmm. and I know you have a book coming out about flower essences and my experience of crystals and flowers and flower essences is actually really similar to my experience of music, the way that they emanate, like a, to me, it feels like a sacred geometrical pattern that shifts me, my body on a like molecular level. I don't know if molecules is the right word, but <laughs> like I can feel it, all of those things kind of vibrationally shifting me in particular ways. So do you have that experience too, that music is a similar thing to the, the way that energy emanates from crystals and flowers? Absolutely. It's, it's such a tangible vibration. I mean, yeah. literally this uh, vibrating column of air that, that hits the eardrum and we, we translate that into something we can comprehend. Yeah. And um, it's a really, it's a really profound thing to make music. And uh, even, even the analogy of like the human electromagnetic field, we can use the analogy of an orchestra and, you know, we have the brain, which is like the score. The brain is not in charge. The brain contains the information that has to be relayed to the ensemble, which is made up of all of the um, cells and tissues, organs and systems of the body. Yeah. And the heart itself works like the conductor. It, it sets the pace and the rhythm of everything in a literal sense with 
you know, the physical heartbeat, um, wow. moving, moving blood, but also energetically every, every contraction of the, the heart pulse, yeah, is, is producing an electromagnetic charge. And the strongest component of the human electromagnetic field is the, the cardiac field, which is um, something, something like, uh, I think 80 times more powerful magnetically than that of the brain. And so yeah. the heart becomes this conductor of the crystalline symphony that is our, our body and our energy field. And um, I think music is such a really powerful analogy for understanding how, the, how all of that works. Oh my gosh, it's like we're all a rave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the heart so... is the DJ. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know the so... title of this episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cool. <laughs> so um so I want to ask you about piezoelectricity because I don't understand it at all and I think you you probably do. <laughs> sure. Um I remember coming across this this word in a bunch of books that were published in like the 80s and early 90s and by the time I was reading them it was a lot later than that we'll say um, and I thought it was really cool that there was some science to this and then then I got to understand the 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 actual effect the property itself and realize that it it doesn't really do what the crystal healer people think that it does oh. but I think it provides a helpful analogy for the way that crystals translate energy. So well, I um, don't even know what it is. I've, yeah, I don't even. Well, I mean, I've I just sure. had heard the word, and I was like, oh uh, yeah, there's something about crystals and piezoelectricity. That's as far as I went. Uh, but okay. I sure. I know that Nicholas knows more about what it actually okay. is. <laughs> yeah. So so let's break it down. It comes from the Greek word piezine, which means to squeeze. Um, so piezoelectricity is. Um, the product of the, the deformation, the stress, the physical stress on a crystal lattice. And in certain circumstances, certain types of uh, crystal shapes at the molecular level, when, when stressed out or bent or twisted in some way, will generate uh, a small electrical charge. Um, and this is actually what's responsible for keeping track in any, any uh, quartz powered watch or, or clock. You know, we'll see that it's got quartz on, on the clock face and there's a little tiny wafer of silica. Um, most of the time it's lab grown these days just so we can make sure it's the right level of purity. But if, if we take that little piece of silica and we zap it with electricity, it converts things from um, the electrical to the mechanical, just like we can convert it from the mechanical to the electrical. So if we, if we bend a crystal lattice, it generates an electrical charge. But if we zap a crystal lattice with electricity, it, it oscillates it, it wiggles. Oh. So a quartz powered watch, um, well, a quartz a quartz run watch, we'll say, it's not really deriving its power from it, um, is, is counting the number of oscillations, the number of wiggles in that tiny sliver of quartz. And that's how it keeps track of the seconds, the minutes, the hours, oh. um, the, the number of vibrations tells it that it's time to move the second hand. Um, and that's how we use the sort of oscillating effect of quartz to um, translate energy from one kind of information into another. And metaphorically, there, there are actually lots of ways that crystal lattices translate um, energy, not just piezoelectricity, um, fluorescence and phosphorescence are really great examples where we're converting invisible parts of the spectrum of light into visible parts. So uh, a mineral that's strongly fluorescent, like maybe manganocalcite or um, some kinds of zincite, if we put them under ultraviolet lamps, which are invisible to the naked eye, uh, we cannot perceive UV light. Um, the, the crystal lattice responds in a way that it takes this invisible kind of light, it excites a tiny trace element in it 
so much that it has to generate uh, stability by giving off visible light. So it takes the invisible and makes it visible. And these are all ways that we see that crystals translate energy from one state to the next. And I think um, the analogy here is if they can do this with measurable kinds of energy, they also do mm -hmm. it with immeasurable kinds of energy. Mm -hmm. They can translate our, our internal working, our inner world mm -hmm. into the language of the cosmos and vice versa. And this is what makes some powerful tools for magic and manifestation and healing because they, they work as the, the translator between the psyche and the cosmos. Mm -hmm. I love it. And the body and mind and spirit and like calling yeah. in that alignment. I mean, I can feel that. That's so cool. I'm just wondering if you have like, if you could tell our listeners like a specific way that you work with crystals to do that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, the, the ways of working with crystals are endless. If, if you asked five crystal healers yeah. to tell you their favorite way, to work with crystals, you'd probably get 25 answers. <laughs> so, um, you know, meditation is the simplest way that we can work with crystals, mm -hmm. getting really clear on the inside, uh, which is something that quartz in particular helps us with. But I think the coherency of, of all crystal forms can help us uh, attain that. Um, so, you know, kind of cleaning up our inner world and collecting our thoughts. What is our aim? What is our focus? What is our intention? Um, and then projecting that into a crystal. You might do that through visualization. I like to do it with the breath. The breath is a really powerful vehicle for consciousness. And mm. if we breathe in the right way, we can actually generate a tiny ionic charge. That ionic charge uh, works with the electromagnetics of a quartz crystal as well. Um, but I mean, you could hold it and visualize. You could hold it and repeat an affirmation. You could hold it and just feel. I mean, whatever you're your inner landscape looks like. I know we're not all visual people. We're not all verbal people. So using, using the, the language of your subconscious to kind of project that intention into a crystal um, and, and letting it, you know, carry out at least a certain amount of the work. We, we still got to put in some, some footwork here, but it's a way to catalyze that kind of profound growth. Um, mm -hmm. And you could, you could work with crystal grids. You could make little mojo bags or spell pouches to carry around with you. Uh, you can make essences or elixirs or um, charge oils with them. Uh, you can take them to bed and use them in ritual. We, we can get really fancy, but I like starting people out with the simple. Um, you know, if, if, if you can't master the simple stuff, then we, we aren't going to get as much out of the rest of the stuff. Like if, yeah. if you can't really hold a focus in meditation, how effective are you going to be at leading a, a, a ritual mm -hmm. on a Sabbath? Like we got to start with the basics. So, you know, just get to know your rocks, feel out their energy and then see how they work when you invite them to partner with you on a particular topic. And um, the, the sort of essential functions that all crystals have are, are working in the background no matter what. So it's up to us to create the pathway for them to extend their skill set to you. Um, so it's not you can do that through intention. Do you feel Absolutely. like that? Yeah, that's. A, do you remember the first crystal you ever got? I'm thinking of that because I'm just I'm holding the first crystal I ever got. Ah. I was <laughs> 18, I still remember, and then this is the second one I ever. Got. Very nice. <laughs> I I do remember this very vividly. My first like proper mineral specimen was a piece of quartz that you know, ages later, I came to recognize where it came from and its provenance and stuff. But my grandfather mm. gave me my first quartz crystal. 
Oh. Um, we've got it pictured in a couple of books. It's it's on plate number six in um, the seven archetypal stones. And it's also the generic quartz image and crystal basics, which is sitting over my shoulder here. Um, and my grandfather gave me this because I was the kid who picked up rocks everywhere he went. Oh, so like, nice. you know, here was this behavior. So let's elevate the behavior. And yeah. I was bitten by the bug and that was that was almost three decades ago. It was like 27 years ago. I got my first, mm. my first quartz crystal and um, I've never looked back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. here we are every week, every week there are new rocks in my life. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, before we go, cause we have to, although I actually have two questions real quick. One is, um, do you have a place you like to get your rocks from? Oh yeah. Or that's do you a good like question. look at all different places? I, I like to get them everywhere I can within reason. Um, mm -hmm. If I travel, if I'm teaching in a new venue for the first time ever, I like to support the local business that's brought me there. Um, I have some favorite rock shops here in, in Florida and, and elsewhere where I definitely buy things. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, my whole life is full of rocks. So they kind of come from many different sources. Mm -hmm. And what is your sun, moon and rising? I just, and then Tess has oh, another question. I have another question after that, but yeah, that <laughs> we, I also want to know this answer. <laughs> so I have a lot of Capricorn in my chart. I've got a stellium of Capricorn and that's where my sun is. My moon uh, sun is Pisces. And then my rising is Gemini, which is why uh, I, <laughs> I love it. So balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was your question? My question is, well, I want to just mention to everybody that you have a new book coming out called Flower Essences from the Witch's Garden that comes nice. out next year that I am so pre-ordering. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> Do you want to just maybe talk about it really quick? Absolutely. Yes. Um, thank you. I'm really excited for this because uh, last year when the world kind of stalled, we'll say, uh, I found myself with very slightly more time on my hands than normal. I still worked a full-time job. The hours were rearranged. It wasn't customer facing anymore. So I had some time to kind of sit with things. And, you know, I thought, God, I've been doing all this work with flower essences. Wouldn't it be great to, to just take all the weird things I do with them that I don't find in other books and put them in one place. And nice. that's how the, the book was born. And so it's, it's part flower essence therapy. It's part plant spirit medicine. It's part magical herbalism. And it uses essences as a way to kind of unite all these parallel tracks of connecting to the plant kingdom. And uh, I'm, I'm just really excited about it. Uh, Tess, I think you'll, you'll recognize a book of yours in the bibliography that gets uh, cited up on occasion. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it's, it, it was really a big departure for me in some ways, but I, I still put on the, the same kind of Nicholas lenses to look at things. So you're going to find the sort of unison of, of magical lore with some botanical science with the, the vibrational qualities of them and kind of unraveling that common thread for every plant in the book. Yeah, it's a similar thing. The vibration of the, the yeah. uh, wisdom of the vibration and the healing uh, qualities of flowers. Um, but it, I just love flower essences because I find them to be, it's like when you spend time with the flower and you feel you allow that vibration to come in and transform you and heal you, it's that same energy. It's like putting that in a bottle and then bringing it into your body and having a sacred experience with it. Like I love working with 
dried lavender, but it's not like the same as, okay, here's that pure vibration of lavender that's going mm. to change the way your whole body resonates. You know, it's a real potent kind of magic. Absolutely. And it's been life-changing for me. So I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to kind of throw something out there that hopefully will serve others. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait. So that comes out next year. March 15th, 2022. Okay. Yeah. Can we, can anyone pre-order it now and then get a special um, surprise in March when they forget they ordered it? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Uh, pre-orders are open. You can order from any major bookseller I'd imagine by now. Amazon definitely has it up. My publisher, Inner Traditions, has it available for pre-order. Um, and I think we'll see more outlets for that open up as, as the months go by. All right. And what's cool. the name again? Flower Essences from the Witch's Garden, um, Plant Spirits in Magical Herbalism. Great. That's really exciting. Yeah, right up our alley. Yep. And (laughs) where can our listeners find you? So in most cases, you can find me as The Luminous Pearl on social media, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. Um, You can also visit my website, which is in need of some revision, www.theluminouspearl.com. And uh, my publisher's website, innertraditions.com, has a whole page full of my works and interviews and links to other things I've done. And that's a really great resource to, to find more stuff I put out there. Okay, great. Thank you so much. It was so great to meet you and talk to you. Yeah, thank you. Likewise, thank you both. Okay, we hope you liked it. All right, well, now it's time for the energy report. Okay, so... Yeah, I'm noticing the time and I'm going to try to be fast here. But the energy report is the trend that I'm feeling into for the week ahead. Um, and I got some very clear imagery this week. So what I want to say about it is that what I saw was these like bursts of light coming from the heart chakra. Almost yeah. like, oh, you see that too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm feeling that. Oh, okay. I'm feeling the heart chakra vibes. Yes. Yeah. It's like, to me, it feels like almost like a birthing. So what it feels like to me is this new light coming in, which is interesting because we just had a f- new moon yesterday and um, Tess doesn't really care about it, but it's a eight lines gate. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like... It does feel like portals are opening up and new areas for light are coming through. And it also feels connected to our true purpose. Like it's like lighting up our why are we here? What are we, you know, what are we here to do kind of thing? Yeah. And and it is sort of like what I was talking about, about the Instagram, like being able to let that go now to like just being more heart centered into like my purpose of doing it, you know, like even more. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but I will say what comes with that also is, as I feel like I've said this many times before, a connection also to being more aware of what wasn't working. So Mm -hmm. feeling that heaviness with that lightness um feeling like the as it's leaving as it's like or shining more light on that for a little bit while you are um birthing the light 
So what one big realization I had last week, I was talking to my guides and I was like, oh, I'm feeling this kind of heaviness because I was, I feel like I feel stuff a week ahead of time. I don't know. But anyway, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I feel this. And what they showed me was that it wasn't, and the, the feeling was this like old low self-worth stuff related to what we were talking about with our moms. And it was just like this energy that didn't fit me anymore, but it was like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Mm. And what they were saying was that it's, I was like, okay, so should I just release it? Should I like vacuum it out? And, and what they were saying was, it's not that the pain isn't in the low self-worth. The pain is in feeling separate from that part of yourself, like feeling like, oh, that's not, or trying to separate from it. Mm -hmm. so it's the integration by integrating it and loving that part loving those yucky feelings even though they feel bad um by just having compassion that help that integrates it and it helps me to know that I'm not separate from any part of myself does that make sense yeah yep it does okay well I mean that's to me that's like the power of parts work where you're like Oh, something feels uncomfortable. So instead of trying to just avoid it or like, oh, I'm just cleaning yeah. it out. Like, what yeah, is yeah. it? What does it want? Yeah. What does it need? Yes. You know? Yes. And it's also that in all things, it's just like with the world too. The pain isn't that like people believe different things than we do. The pain is that we feel separate from them. Yeah. You know? Totally. And like when we come here before we get here we're not separate from things we're very um you know all we can feel the connection with all things and then when we come here and we start to separate like oh I don't like that part of myself I don't like that part of myself Uh it's not that you really I mean okay maybe you don't like the shame you don't like the sadness you don't like whatever but really it's that oh, but now I'm putting some part of myself away from me. And that's what feels so painful. Oh, that is really interesting. I mean, that reminds me of how sometimes I think about like how I have a lot of conservative family members and how I love them. Yeah. But then it's easy for me to be like, oh, conservatives suck. But it's like, oh, except for my aunts and uncles and my dad. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, like we just like them. Like the people have a different opinion of you than you do, but it doesn't mean that they suck yeah (laughs) yeah we can and 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 that is it's painful to keep to be put and now obviously if like people are hurting people you know that's hard to it's hard to love them when they're being racist or homophobic or whatever but I it still feels like the pain of that is that we feel so separate right and so that is the thing with ourselves this week that I'm you know my advice for the energy report is to whatever's coming up as we're birthing in this new light birthing in this new light First, bring in light, call in your angels as much as you can. I was having kind of a hard day yesterday and I called in angels. I got in my highest guides and I was like, help me feel the light as I integrate this. So feeling heart center, putting your hand in your heart, feeling compassion, whatever you have to do to feel heart compassion and then feel those feelings from that place of your inner parent, of your love, you know, from love. So and then just bring in more light, breathe in more light. That's that's the energy report. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, it is totally in alignment with practical magic, as often happens. Yeah. So now it's time for practical magic. So, yeah, I even wrote heart light. I actually have that phrase. So so it really just self care. Like, we did have that new moon yesterday and that Leo new moon. And so, as now this new energy is growing and we're in Leo season, the sun is going to be still in Leo this week. Enjoy taking care of yourself. Feel your heart light shining. Mm. Love and approve of yourself. Like yesterday, I also, well, I didn't have a hard day, but I had a busy day. And I did, I was like, oh, I'm going to take a bath. Mm. I'm going to do some deep breathing exercises. And it was, I love it when I feel that feeling with like oh this is going to be so great to take care of myself Ugh. instead of like oh i should take a bath i should do some deep breathing <laughs> but right. like oh i this precious being that can use some integration could use some like create some space and relax and align with the divine like if you can let that be such like a a joyful practice to take care of your mind body and spirit yeah. and then let your heart align with divine light that's really practical magic. Great. Kind of it it reminds me of, um, I heard Kristen Neff, who wrote Self-Compassion Book, say one time, excuse me, say one time um, that she sometimes looks at herself like, oh, honey, like who yeah. <laughs> talks to herself like that? I love that yeah. as a way in. <clears throat> okay. Well, I love it. So Thanks. let's do our housekeeping before we pick our cards. Okay. So you can find us at magicmondaypodcast.com. We're on Instagram at Magic Monday Podcast, on Facebook at Magic Monday Pod, and also the group Magic Monday Podcast listeners. And you can find me at TessWhitehurst.com, on Instagram at Tess4444, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst, author on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, and on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. Okay, and you can find me at highestlighthealing.com. Uh, you can schedule a session or find my classes and on Instagram and Facebook at highestlighthealing.com. No, highestlighthealing. All righty. So once again, I'm picking from the Wisdom of the Oracle. Maybe next week I'll do a different one. It's okay if you don't, though. It's a great deck. Great. And I am picking from... The Magic of Flowers Oracle, which I wrote. Okay. So I got message in a bottle. Okay. Um, so that is spirit sends you signs when you ask for, when you ask for them, when you believe you will receive them, and when you allow yourself to become fluent in the language of symbols, oracles, and omens. They may come to you as a bird flying by, a logo on a truck, and a song on the radio. Expect confirmation that you're pointed in the right direction. Keep your ears open, for someone might say just the right thing that will give you the answer to your query. Today, your message is this. Spirit hears you, and the reply is favorable. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, so I drew geranium, and that is resilience. Mm. So if you think of, I feel like the best way to describe the energy of this card is thinking of a bright red geranium and the fragrance. Like it has such a potency. So it's being getting grounded in your body, feeling that resilience. So it's really strengthening for the heart too when we are allowing our heart to open Mm-hmm. It's a vulnerable feeling. It's a sensitive feeling. But when we can like remember our resilience, our alignment with spirit, you yes. could even breathe in that scent, that energy of a geranium mm. to help strengthen that. And thinking of like connecting to the cosmos, connecting to the earth. So well, you're shining yes. your heart light, but you're like anchored into the light of the cosmos and of the earth. Well, I think that's a really important part of the energy report to remember is that a lot of it was like call in for that light. Call in from your angels. Call in from your guides for for help with that resilience to help them anchor, to, to be anchored in that light as you are releasing and birthing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and also with practical magic, like that calling on angels, calling on the goddess, calling on the divine to help you infuse your self-care, self-love, mm-hmm. self-compassion efforts. That's all connected. All yes. that stuff. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. This is exactly what I needed to hear.